Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 328. And this episode, the idea for this episode, a friend of mine sends something, oh God, at least three, maybe four years ago. And I thought, yeah, everybody needs to hear that. That's that's a that's a Robcast episode there. And so we finally did it, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but first, new audiobook is out probably the day this episode comes out. My new audiobook is called Find Me a Straight River. <laughs> oh, God, you know I love the titles, but this actually is a phrase. The audiobook comes from a phrase that has helped me as much, yeah, I'd have to say, as much or more than any phrase ever, uh, find me a straight river. Because you can't, obviously. As some of you are with me on the poetry of this and the truth of it. You can't. Rivers bend and they wind. They twist and turn. You actually can't find any straight lines in nature. Uh, and, and if you're thinking, well, yeah, a horizon is a straight line. Yeah, a straight line formed by a curved planet. So if you were to look around at how the world works, it bends and twists and finds its way. A river works its way down the face of a mountain. It takes its time. A tree produces millions of seeds, but, but only like a couple of those seeds actually become trees. So our understandings of production, efficiency, failure aren't shared by the creation around us. And the reason why this, uh, this is so huge for me is just doing sessions with so many of you over the past couple of years and noticing how many people wanted to talk about fear and failure and often a sense of, God, I should be farther along or look at how windy my path has been? How come I can't just head in a straight line and get there? And especially when it comes to fear, there's all these things that people want to do, and then all these fears race in, which is all related to Find Me a Straight River. So this audiobook, it's three hours long, and it is, oh my goodness, it's just like, yeah, I just like, <laughs> at some level just opened up my heart and was like, okay, this is what I've learned about how it works. You want to be free to just do what you do, make what you want to make, create, follow it, see what happens. Yeah. And so many people, especially when it comes to fear, are trying to either overcome fear or eliminate fear. And that's, um, in some ways, that's the, the worst thing you can do. That, that makes it way more difficult. There's something else you do with your fear. So one of the things I do in the audiobook is take you through what fear actually is. Because once you see what it actually is, then it like changes the whole thing. So it's called Find Me a Straight River, a three-hour audiobook on fear and failure. Because if you start to see how the whole thing works, how creation works, you literally end up not even using the word failure that much. I even hesitated on putting the word failure in the description of the audiobook because um, I just don't use that word much anymore. Um, but, you know, we got to start somewhere. So anyway, it's just, oh God, I love telling you about new things I've made. But this one especially, Find Me a Straight River, I, I really, I'm, I'm really thrilled that it's now out. So obviously, you, you can get that at my site. Um, oh, and then tour in Europe and UK. It's Everything is Spiritual. Tour. Oh, come on. So we'll start in Amsterdam on the 30th of June, and then uh, Oslo, Copenhagen, Stockholm, Berlin, Belfast, Dublin, Glasgow. What else is in there? Brighton, Bristol, London, and the tour wraps up in Manchester. So, um, man, all you people, I'm coming your way, and uh, <laughs> we're going to be in a room together. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, did I tell you I got stung by a stingray? Woo. It is, as advertised, so painful. I was surfing. Uh, it was two weeks ago, Friday. I was surfing a spot 
that I've never actually surfed. And it was low tide. And in summer, low tide is when you see stingrays. And that's like when you surf, you see them there's certain spots where you just see them. Um, like you're literally coming in on a wave and you look down and you're going over the top of them. And you can see them swimming around below you. But um, my friend Phil and I paddled out. And he was like, just when we first paddled out, he's like, oh, I just felt a stingray. Um, so it's like it was it's summer, low tide, warm. Um, and there's like a shallow area when you first came in where they where the stingrays come in. So we knew there were stingray in the water, but uh, on my first wave, I came in and didn't realize because I was unfamiliar with the spot how shallow it got so fast. And it was a pretty good ride, by the way. And uh, so what you do is you shuffle when you're going out, like across the floor, so that you don't step on one. But all of a sudden, it got really shallow, and my nose dipped, and my foot just went right down into the water without. Uh, what you don't want to do, and, and oh God, immediately <laughs> you feel the stinger, like I could feel the stinger go into the top of my foot, like go down into the skin. Is that is that more detail than you need? <laughs> I'm telling you, it is. Uh, and I'd heard about this, and uh, I remember one day at a place that I've served quite a bit, the lifeguard said that 11 people had been stung in the past few hours. So it's like happening all around you when you're in the ocean. Um, so I was way past even the, um, hey, I haven't been stung yet, knock on wood. I was way past the knock on wood. Like, this is probably going to happen, but apparently uh, um, that was all <laughs> part of the schedule, wasn't what happened two weeks ago, because, oh, God. And when the stinger goes in the top of my foot, you feel the tail of the stingray across the top of your foot. <laughs> Oh, and so I jerk my foot out of the water, and the top of my foot is starting to swell up um, with this, like, because it's those, you know, those, those veins that go across the top of the bones of your foot. Once again, is this too inf much information? And so I reach down because it's swelling, and I push down, and there's like a hole in the skin, and I push down on this swelled up um, little, whatever you, I don't know, <laughs> pile, mound, bump, and all this... I'm like, wow, my blood is like a weird color, and it's all like sort of jelly gelatinous, which I later, when I looked up on the interweb what was going on there, that was the venom, and it just keeps coming out, like so much venom. And the pain, oh my word, just sustained. And the only thing that helps is scalding hot water. So my friend Phil grabs the boards. We get, we have to walk up, back up this cliff, to my car and we get go to a coffee shop down the beach across from the ocean and Phil gets a bucket from uh, the people running the coffee shop and just keeps bringing hot water that they would give people for tea and we just keep pouring scalding hot water in the bucket so you trade this ex the toxin it's so have I said this before it's so painful you trade it for scalding hot water that turns your foot white uh, and you'll take that trade any day. <laughs> and a lady, so I'm sitting out there, and a lady comes by, and person after person is like, Stingray? Yep, Stingray, because they see a guy barefoot with his foot in a bucket. And one lady says, oh, yeah. She says, how long ago did it happen? Because the half-hour mark is when it really starts to hurt. And I was like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes? She's like, okay, you got about 10 minutes, then it's really going to hurt. And then from there, it'll really hurt for about the next hour and a half to two hours, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, thank you? <laughs> Was that was that helpful? This walking Wikipedia, um, and she was right. Like somewhere around the half hour mark. Good God, you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> and you nothing you can do. You have to just sit and take it with your foot in a hot water bucket. Um, and she was right. About two two and a half hours it takes for the toxin to like work its way through, and you just sit there and. <laughs> <laughs> bear it. Uh, and I have no idea why I told you that story, but have a nice summer. Enjoy the beach, kids. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. What are we doing now? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we talked about the audiobook, talked about tour, talked about getting stung by Stingray. Um, so probably three or four years ago, I was uh, a bunch of you came here to L.A., and we were doing, was doing this a uh, couple days on art and communicating and all the things that I love talking about. 
and uh, invited my friend Kristen Hangy, who is a director, directs my plays, writer, um, movie director, musicals. She's um, been a friend for a while, and I and she actually has a master's degree in storytelling, which I think is always fascinating. I said, would you come talk to everybody? Just say a few things about storytelling, et cetera. So she, um, she shows up, and she sits on a stool next to me so I can watch everybody watching her. And she starts in, and she says, how many of you are familiar with the hero's journey? And like every hand that goes up, because you're somewhat familiar, perhaps you are, with the hero's journey. She says, how many of you are familiar with the heroine's journey? And it's like the whole room just went, What? And she's like, let me just give you a little bit on the heroine's journey. And she does this whole sort of overview that I'd never heard, and nobody in the room, it, I'm telling you, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, everybody needs to hear this. So she came by recently and uh, talked a bit about the heroine's journey. So here is Kristen Hangy and me asking her all sorts of questions about the heroine's journey. Okay, friends, this is called a Robcast, and it's episode 300 and who knows, something, something, something. And this one has been in the works for quite a while. I'm here with my, I don't know how long we've been friends, Kristen Hangy. We've been friends a few years now. Six years, seven years. Wow. Five years? Yes, it's been a while. You've met Kristen Hangy before. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-H-A-N-G-G-I. Kristen Hangy. What's Hangy? Where's Swiss. Where Swiss? Mm-hmm. I did not know that about you. Yeah, that's true. Folks, we've just started, and we're learning things. And so this episode, I actually heard a version of this episode live from you a couple of years ago, back in the old world, and was like, oh, everybody needs to hear that. So we were, I was doing some events somewhere about, you know, talking, communicating, like I, like do. I do, whatever. And uh, I asked you if you'd come just talk for an hour. And we were sitting there on stools talking. And then you went into a thing. You said something to basically to the, to the people like, how many of you heard of the hero's journey? Every hand goes up. And then you said something along the lines of, now, how many of you are familiar with the heroine's journey? And I, do you remember that moment? Yes. No. It was like, wait, wait, there's a, there's another, there's another journey. Yeah. And then you did an overview of the heroine's journey, followed by, I don't know how many people had questions because it was so, uh, like, I don't even know how to say it. It was so unfamiliar. It was so unfamiliar. Familiar, unfamiliar. Yes. Like, why isn't everybody talking about this? Yes. And it immediately raised. I mean, I went back through my own story. Yeah. Um, so you could just see everybody in the room finding themselves in the heroine's journey. So that's why you and I are here today. Is if you could do what is the heroine's journey? Yes. And then when we were just talking about doing this episode and you were like, well, you know, there's a couple of very sort of prescient things in the moment that are happening right now that are related to all this. But then we probably should start with how you even found your way into that. How's that for a setup? That's a great setup. Good job, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very seen. <laughs> I want to explain that the heroine's journey comes from Maureen Murdoch's work. And she was heavily inspired by Joseph Campbell, who developed the hero's journey. But she felt like there was another journey, a feminine journey, and it was revealed to her. And she literally wrote the book on it and has done excellent work. Going What's the book called? The Heroine's Journey. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. She has a great website, lots of essays. I have been working with writers since my 20s. I'm, I love working with writers helping them birth the story that is inside of them. I found that as I worked with writers and started teaching them the hero's journey, not only was the hero's journey showing up in their work, but it was showing up in their life. And that became really powerful to me as I taught it because I realized, oh, this is how the universe teaches us. Then when I learned about the heroine's journey, it took it 
a step deeper because I realized, oh, the heroine's journey is also happening inside every story, inside each one of us. And so if we look at hero and hero, heroine or masculine and feminine as metaphors, so we're not talking man and woman, we're talking inner world and outer world. So the feminine being a metaphor for the inner, the masculine being a metaphor for the outer world. So we are going on journeys that are inner and outer at the same time. And in stories, the mythic structure expands when we lean into both. But when we look at these journeys and realize they are concurrently happening in our own life, it informs us how to move, how to heal, and how to birth, and how to restore and repair. Yeah. So you didn't originally come across it as, oh, this is for all the women who are living in a man's world. No. This you is, came across it as, oh, the, these are, this is another dimension yes. happening at the same time. This is the journey of the inner world. And what I've been conscious of is that we, I, often look to the outer world and want to fix things in the outer world. I want to do the journey out there. But what I know is that the feminine always comes first. The inner world always comes first. The masculine is here to serve the feminine. And, and by that I mean my outer actions are here to serve my inner landscape. And so I must go into the depths of my inner world in order for my outer world to get into alignment. And that is what's happening collectively right now, and it's also happening with every individual. Yeah, yeah, because the collective is always what happens when you have a bunch of individuals together. Yeah. It's interesting, you and I have also often talked about the silence, the stillness, the listening. If you are still silent and listen, something arises. Yes. Generally invites you mm -hmm. to act. Mm -hmm. You act and then return. Mm -hmm. If you keep acting, you just cook yourself or you end up way off on the deep weeds. So you return. Yes. To the stillness. Yes. The quiet, the silence. Yes. You listen. Yes that these energies yes. are also a rhythm of life. Mm -hmm. That you sit too long in the silence and something these creational energies start bubbling up. If you don't listen to them, then you feel stunted, you feel mm -hmm. stifled, you feel uh, act too long. Well, you get the world as it is. That's right. Without listening. Yes. Without stillness, without silence, without asking questions about does this work? Is this sustainable? Is this good for everybody? Empty actions. And then you get structures that are not sustainable. Yeah. Because, and so they must fall. They must crumble. Yeah. Because they haven't stopped and entered into the rhythm mm -hmm. of rest, listen. And so then they eventually just run themselves ragged. Yeah. In all sorts of ways. Yeah. They have to honor what is deepest within us. So I would love okay, so yeah, to take... You got a chart there. I got charts. <laughs> I would love to take everyone through the hero's journey because it's the one that we know, just like refresher course. Okay. We've seen it in all of our stories. We've seen it all over. Yeah. Um, and then go through the heroine's journey. So this is just a brief overview of both. Yep. Feel, to ask, feel free to ask questions as we go through. <laughs> okay. So in the hero's journey, which we've seen in all of our stories, Harry Potter, Home Alone, everything... We start with our character in the ordinary world, right? And then there's a call to adventure, which is also called the inciting action, which means I'm going on in my life with my consciousness, with life as it is. Often there is something in my life that I am dissatisfied with, but I don't know why my life is not working the way that I want. I have a call. I have a desire inside of me, but I don't know how to access it in the world. The call to adventure happens, the inciting incident happens, it often feels like it has come from the outside. It's the car crash, it's the divorce, it's the lottery ticket. Something happens and it creates a question, like an invitation. Your life now could go in this new direction or you can stay as you are, right? And at that moment, we get to choose. And what I love is it's the call and it's the refusal of the call. 
So if we think all the way back to the burning bush, right, that's the call to adventure. Feels like it's coming from somewhere else. Do I want to say yes to this call? And you can see it in all these stories. Now, yeah, there's always that scene in the movie. Yeah. Where the person's like, oh, God, it's like, I mean, it's, it's a cliche because it's so true. Like, yes. they, do I get on the airplane? Yes. Do I jump off? Like, it always, and the camera always show, almost always shows the person's eyes. Yes. Like, this is that moment. And it happens when we, <laughs> we get an idea for a new business or yeah. asking that person out. And it's almost the moment that that inspiration for new life comes, something inside of us wants to shut it down. The resistance <laughs> that Stephen Pressfield talks about. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah. it's the opposing force within us that doesn't want to grow, right? Shows up. And there's a meeting with the mentor. So there is an elder. There is someone who has been through it, who often shows up in our life. It's Glenda the Good Witch in Wizard of Oz. Who... Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi-Wan. <laughs> right? It's, it's just so funny how these things are just... just surround, we're just drowning in these images and stories and characters. Because they're mythic. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right? It's like our soul <laughs> has been communicating to us the entire time of how this works. It's in our stories. It's like we're trying to get it through on a deep level. We keep leaving clues for each other in our art of how this process works. So we could be ready for this moment in time when it's time to restore and repair and move into spiritual maturity. So a moment of decision happens, right? Take the red pill or the blue pill. What am I going to do? And our hero makes a choice. And that's crossing of the first threshold. Now I have entered into this new world. I do not know what's going to happen. I've started my business. I've gone on the date. I've entered into this portal. Dustin Hoffman starts to dress as a woman in Tootsie, right? And now I'm in a new world I don't know. And in this time is when I start to have the tests and the trials, and I meet the allies. So this is Dorothy on the yellow brick road. This is Neo going through his training. And we develop new skills. So in this new world, we need these new skills to move forward. And we struggle learning these new skills. And we start to develop mastery because our mentor is teaching us. And we get to a place where often in screenwriting, it's called the midpoint. But it's either a false high or a false low. So we either have this really amazing high that we think is it, but it's not it. Or we have this amazing low that we're like, oh, oh, but we're actually a lot closer than we think. Uh, and that's the middle of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like you step in and it goes so well. You're like, oh, this is, e oh, mm. it's like, this is easy. This, this is how it is. No problem. Got this. Or like, this is the worst thing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Right, we're getting trained. Yeah, yeah. We're going through training. Now, my favorite part of making a screenplay is the second half of the second act. Because it's, it's very hard and very easy in that stuff starts going wrong. We, Blake Snyder in Save the Cat calls it bad guys close in. And when I'm working with writers, I'm like, just throw bad stuff at your protagonist to see how they handle it. Right? So... Things are going to start getting increasingly more and more difficult. This is, Joseph Campbell calls it the approach of the inmost cave. We're going deeper within. And as we go deeper within, it's like we're going to deeper and deeper layers of our psyche and consciousness. And so stuff is coming up. But because we're in the hero's journey, it feels like it's in the outer world. Antagonism increases. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. What the hero doesn't know is it is being trained in the way of the answer. So there has, an, been, there has been a deep truth that let's say the universe has been trying to teach this hero that they were ignorant of from the beginning. And it is taking the hero through these ordeals so that the hero has the realization of the truth. It's like the hero can't know this truth until it experiences it. So, Everything has to get more and more difficult 
until we hit the all is lost moment. Or Joseph Campbell calls it the death and rebirth. So at the all is lost, the dark night of the soul, usually in our stories, something or someone dies. It's like Blake Snyder calls it the whiff of death. And this is symbolic of our old self dying. So often at this moment, you might have the mentor die. Mentor die. You might Obi-Wan Kenobi passes away. This death allows the rebirth of the hero. Now they understand what they didn't get the entire time. So this is called like the revelation of the theme. They get their aha moment. Oh, I see. I get what I didn't have before. Now, understanding this, my actions change because a character is what a character does. Our actions reveal our belief system. So now that my beliefs have changed, I can go into the third act of the story, the climax. I can go head to head with the antagonist. I can defeat the antagonist because of my embodiment of the truth. Oh, interesting. Okay, can I ask a couple questions? Yeah. Um, so the person says yes to the invitation. Yes. So I've left mm -hmm. whatever the old, I left the old thing. Yep. I step into the new thing. Yeah. Then the new thing appears to crush me. Yeah. So now I'm at home in neither place. Yes. And I feel worse I left the off. old security, yep. stepped into this, but now this isn't yes. providing me a thing. Yeah. So now I'm double. Yeah. It's almost like double loss. Yeah. Ego death. Yeah. There you go. It is... There's always that moment in the dark night of the soul where the hero feels like they were better off before they ever yeah, started this right, journey. Right, right. I if, shouldn't have never gone on this. <laughs> this is the worst. My favorite thing, too, about writing a story is you take the character into the dark night of the soul and you leave them there. Yes. You just let them sit there for a while until yeah. they have the realization. Yeah, 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 yeah. So once our main character can go face to face with the antagonist. The antagonist is just the crystallization or the dramatization of the limited beliefs personified. Our deepest fears, mm -hmm. our shame has taken on an outer structure manifestation so that we can see it because we hide these things from ourselves. This is the thing I've been carrying around this whole time. Ugh. That's why our <laughs> consciousness projects upon others. Yes, right. We create the enemy from our own hidden shame, fear, limited beliefs. Oh, it's inter can I just stop right there? Yeah. Because you start, right now, our political climate, Yes. you have like an industrial mm -hmm. level mm -hmm. failure yes. of to go to go on the hero's journey. So then it has to be projected somewhere. That's right. So it just never stops making new people who are the enemy. I need an enemy because I need to feel like the good guy because I need to... I'm also terrified. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Whew. Okay, yeah, yeah. keep going. This okay. is the intro. This is the intro. <laughs> we haven't even got to the heroine's journey yet. At this moment, the climax, they get the gift of the goddess, the golden elixir. Once they have gone through that climax, they have done the thing, they have faced their deepest fear head on, and there is a gift. This golden elixir that Joseph Campbell talks about, which is the knowledge. Then the hero brings that knowledge, that gift, back to the community. Yep. So it goes back home, this is what I've learned, and now I give it to my community. So we go all the way back to the old world, but now I have a new gift for the old world. The road home. <laughs> okay, you're the, I think you're the only person I know who has a master's in storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so, like when you work with playwrights, people who write musicals, screenplays, all the storytelling that you, I've, I've mm -hmm. watched you being involved in, when you drop in to like, somebody's story yeah where is there is there a place you most often look f somebody's stuck or it's yeah. not working yeah is there a place when somebody brings you in for a week to help them story doctor or yeah. whatever it is is there a place that you over time are like i always go here because this is generally where the, the where it's jammed up like go into the center of them what's going on inside of them and then how is that having a conversation with them through the piece so when so, so 
when you go and they bring you in to fix a musical on a cruise ship or some of the stuff I've seen <laughs> you do, yeah. or there's a movie that yeah, like yeah. they're like, okay, this something about the second act is all gunked up. You don't immediately go, well, your character here needs to grab the money and run to the thing. You go to the person and they're, you start asking them questions about their life. Yeah, I start to ask them questions because the wisdom is inside of them. What they're looking for is an answer their soul is trying to reveal to them. And the script is merely revealing mm -hmm. something about their own. It's a healing container they have created for themselves to find yeah. themselves. That's true, isn't it? Yep. All the stuff we're doing is all the healings in the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I see that with you right now with what you're writing. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we, we, we don't that. need to go into that, but <laughs> there's no. something revealing itself. Oh, my goodness. And I, I, this took me a long time to realize that each new thing I was doing yes. contained whatever the next healing is. That's right. And then all these sessions I've been doing with people, you can just see every, everywhere they're headed next is in the thing that they're doing. That's exactly right. And once they see that, whew, you and amazing. I do, we do something very similar. What you do in your story sessions, how you go into people yeah. that way. Yeah. It's, it's similar how I go into what yeah, someone yeah, is yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, so hero's journey. Yeah, that's a hero's journey. So okay. I was doing that for a long time with people. Yeah. And there's a lot of great stuff in that. Yeah. Then... Because that's just scratching the surface, as yes. we all know. Mm -hmm. Now, heroines. Heroine's journey. Maureen Murdoch. She talks about the first stage being separation from the feminine. So you can see that in Cinderella. In the beginning of the story, her mother dies. Separation from the feminine. You can see that in uh, Zeus and Athena. Um... Zeus chops off, wait, Zeus kills Athena's mother at the very beginning, separation of the feminine. It's symbolizing how we've all left the great mother. We've all disconnected from the great mother. And we go into identification with the masculine. Now, when I say we all, I'm going to talk in broad generalizations. So as a societal whole, especially Western society, I want to to say out loud that there are a lot of places that I believe are really connected to the great mother and the great truth and a lot of people, but this is on a general whole. Mm -hmm. When we over identify with the masculine, it's because uh, we have adopted cultural values that tell us this is what success looks like. This is what happiness looks like. It is something here in the outer world. It is something outside of you that will give you the completion that you are looking for. So now, imagine our heroine having a separation for, from the feminine. They might not even understand it. They might not even understand that it has happened. And then wanting this attention from the masculine world says, oh, that's what I need. I need, and it can be anything, the shiny house and the husband and the kids. It can be, I need this career. I need something. And when I have that, that will fulfill me. And so our heroine goes out to get that. And it's an important individuation process. And they gather allies. They go on a road of trials. They, they meet the dragons and the... Um, they go through this process of proving themselves in this outer world. They're trying to do the hero's journey, right? And it kind of works. They find this boon of success. So for me, that was like going out and directing Rock of Ages, and it's this big hit, and it's like, oh, this is everything I've always wanted. I did it. After our heroine has this boon of success, she thinks that, I created what I wanted to, but there's this lingering feeling that something is missing. And I want to say this is happening in all genders, right? Not just women. This is going on inside of all of us. We have this moment where Marine Murdoch says, we ask, what is this all for? Yeah. What's the reason for this? And there is feelings of uh, spiritual aridity, a dryness, 
An emptiness. Aridity. Yes. A R I D I T Y. That's it. Spell it it so. Arid. Oh, God. What a word. That's it. Yeah. Like this was supposed to be a garden where everything, and instead it's like. Yeah. Bone dry and sort of desolate. I feel overworked. I feel overscheduled. I feel depleted. I am cut off from myself. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how the two journeys relate then is the internal absence brokenness tried to fix it with external. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they talk to each other. Yeah, they do. At this moment, there is the initiation and descent into the abyss. Like we go into the darkness. Mm Mm-hmm. I love this because it can happen because of a catastrophe in the heroine's life. Divorce, illness, financial problems, grief, unspeakable loss. Something that is so big, it cannot be solved with the mind. And it takes you down. It takes you under. You have to surrender to it because the power of it is too much. We go into the darkness, deep, deep into a darker dark than we have ever known. And it is scary and it is frightening. And we don't know how long we will be in this place. Now, mm-hmm. we might also, it could also happen because of success. Yes. Like it worked. Yep. You got the thing you were aiming for. Yep. And that is actually, I mean, devastating in a different way. Yep. The awareness of it. Right. That this wasn't it. Like, wait, I played by the rules and I climbed the mountain mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it didn't deliver yes. what it was supposed to deliver, what I thought it was supposed to deliver. I've heard you talk about it so many times. The ladder was leaning <laughs> against the wrong wall. Right. I climbed right, the right, ladder, right, right, right. wrong wall. Right, right. Yeah. And the counterintuitive thing is I'm in the abyss because I won. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, it was somebody's version of successful, but it doesn't feel like that. That's right. Feels... Yeah. And feelings become essential. So feelings start to become the roadmap here. The feelings connect us to our inner truth. Because the mind is like, no, mm-hmm. look at us. We're killing it. Yeah. But the interior, mm-hmm. which I see so much, is the person's like, I'm, I know everybody says that, wow, you're like killing it. And they're like, no, no, it's killing me. That's right. The, the, the mind... Yeah, so this is why the heart, the, the mind is, has to sink into the heart. Yeah. It's because the, the body and the soul and the emotion is telling the truth. Yes. You're actually miserable. There is an author <laughs> yeah. who writes and talks about myth named Michael Mead, and he has a podcast called The Living Myth. And he talks about we must go into the darkness because that's where our soul has, has hid it's memory. It's in the unconscious, mm-hmm. right? So our soul has hid who it really is at the depth of the darkness so we can find it there like a jewel. So that takes our willingness to sit in our grief, to feel our pain all the way, to open ourselves to the most uncomfortable emotions and breathe through it and know that we can survive through the feelings and the feelings actually know what they're doing. They're taking us into the unconscious so we can find what it is that we're looking for. So Mm. this is where we meet the goddess. The goddess is in the darkness. She teaches us how to reconnect with our intuition, the importance of dreams, how to return to the body, how to trust ourselves, how to feel in to the next right step, how to listen, how to listen with everything that we are, not just our ears, but our entire self. She takes us into our heart. She repairs our heart. The heroine finds that in this place, this darkness, and not knowing how long it will last, it's a time of deep isolation, there is this urgent yearning to reconnect with the feminine. And that might look like spending more time in nature, 
moving one's body. Um, space. Space and expression. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just want to start drawing. I don't know why, but I want to build this piece of furniture. It's a, there's, a, there's a movement of the energy. So now that we've accessed this deep, dark energy, it wants to move through us. And this is the reconnection with the feminine. At this moment, there is the healing of the mother-daughter split. At this moment, we may forgive our mother for her level of unconsciousness. Whatever her wounds are, we may start doing ancestor work. But the split that we're really healing is between us and the great mother. So we're reconnecting with the wisdom and the rhythms of the great mother. And she's teaching us how to be ourselves. We listen so deeply that we allow ourselves to become embodied with the great mother. The great mother begins to take over our life and animate through us. Her healing energy, her generousness, her abundance, her endless solutions, her healing energy begins to live through us. Her heart, her love for all humanity. It takes over our life. And that process takes as long as it takes. After that moment, we heal the wounded masculine within ourselves. So imagine the great mother's energy starts to heal our own wounded masculine. So now that I have been filled up with the great mother's love and I can feel her living through me, she starts to heal the part of me that wants to prove my worth. We don't need, we don't need to do that anymore, baby, right? We played that game. We played that game. The <laughs> part of me that wants to overwork yeah. or the part of me that wants to find success outside of myself. Oh, baby, we don't do that anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> and she re-educates the masculine within me. And she says, all the work, quote unquote work, let's say the action, anything you do in the outer world comes from a deep knowing of your inner truth. So if I think of my masculine as that which acts, that which takes steps, makes the phone call, calls the friend, does any action. The hustle. Any of it. Yeah. And, and I almost want to reframe that word and yeah, make exactly. it play. Exactly. Make it play. Make right. it, you right. know, exploration. The hustle becomes something else. The adventure. Yeah. Um, it gives the masculine in me deep energy, purpose, and service. But it's like it's this different kind of... Mm -hmm. It's like an energy that's aligned, that's sustainable, that has a flow to it. You're participating in something larger than yourself. It's no longer on your shoulders. Yeah. Oh. The, the masculine knows that the feminine in, in me is here to serve the community, right. is here to serve the great mother. Yeah. So it becomes an honor and a pleasure to serve. Yeah, and in fact, the yeah, masculine yeah. in me just wants to be worthy to right. serve right. the feminine in me. Let me. It would be my ecstatic pleasure to serve you. Right. So it, he, uh, that whole... Uh, Inability to see that if it's you living from your deepest self is the best gift you give everybody else. And for so many people, this split meant if I'm enjoying it, then obviously something's wrong because the conditioning was so strong around here is what you do for everybody. And this is like, no, this heals the, yeah, got it. If I'm enjoying it, it means I'm doing yeah, something Yeah, probably you right. should listen to that. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's the, the one flows from the other. That's it. exactly right. And mm -hmm. it's all one integrated whole. That's what the great mother keeps teaching. It's all one thing. And so then the masculine in me builds structures that are sustainable, that give back to the whole. It's built into the whole thing. Then is the sacred marriage, the integration of masculine and feminine. They work together. They have the same goal. They give to each other. Perfect yin and yang energy. What happens at that moment? Of course, when masculine and feminine get together, birth. Yeah. 
Yeah, new creation. New creation. And that's the new idea that comes into the world. It's the new baby. It's the new world comes through each individual healing the masculine and feminine within themselves. And then creation happens easily and effortlessly as they relax and allow those energies to do what they do. And it's deep pleasure. And there's deep rest. So great. So great. Oh my goodness. It's so interesting how you, you see this, you can see this, I mean, like in my own life, and then I see this politically, and then you see it economically, and you just see it. It's like it plays out on all these different layers at all these different times and all these different ways. Okay, so if I were to ask you right now, this moment that we are in, t- midway through 2022, mm-hmm. talk to me about your sense of where the world is. <sighs> Deep breath. <laughs> Deep breath. Feel into my heart. Because so many people are taught. I, I, I'm interacting with so many people who are like disrupted in all the best ways, disoriented, but slightly invigorated, fatigued, but also aware that like, is, is a whole thing happening here? Like in human history? What? Yeah. Um, I've literally done sessions with people who are just like, what is this? And they're like, what is, no, seriously. They're like, I have, that's my question. What is this? And by that, they, they mean like existence itself, the reference points. What even it means to be a human being? What is the point of any of this? Why are we even? Those are all Like for the many questions. people are experiencing an existential uh, free fall yes. that is new to yes. them. That's right. The str- Which of course is terribly unnerving, but also so exciting because you're like this is how things actually change destabilizing so structures that are not sustainable are shaking and crumbling we will see that everywhere we will see that in our relationships we will see that in our own lives we will see everything that is not built on a deep inner truth of who we are falling apart we will be called and invited into our deepest and darkest emotions. We will learn how to regulate our nervous system so that we can go into those emotions. Mm -hmm. So that we can feel all the rage. So that we can feel all the grief. So that we can feel all the sadness. That is the great mother's sadness, right? Those emotions must be felt all the way through, and we cannot create a shortcut. By allowing ourselves to go all the way into those feelings and recognizing that we have been taught to numb ourselves. Yeah. We've been taught to numb ourselves and distract yeah. ourselves from our pain. Production and efficiency Oh, what all. we're doing here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're feeling that and you need space to let that be given its proper expression, that cuts into efficiency and production. So, uh, right. So you can see the challenge that's happening for a lot yeah. of people. You give yourself all the space to grieve. You can use a mantra like, it is safe to feel sadness. It is safe to feel grief. It is safe to feel these feelings. And you breathe through them. And you let them teach you what they want to teach you. You let yourself go all the way through that process. You start to move those feelings, and they will tell you how they want to move. Something that occurred for me is I felt like as I was getting an education in how to expand to hold more grief, more sadness, it also was expanding my ability not only for deep empathy, but also my ability to feel more joy, more love, and ask that I don't create a binary between the two. That they are all holy. They are all beautiful. They are all rich. And one is not to be preferred over the other. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a welcoming of whatever comes. When I realize 
that I'm not afraid of any emotion that comes up inside of me, I can welcome whatever is actually happening. When I can welcome whatever is actually happening, I can tell the truth. Because when I'm trying to deny or resist something, I can't tell the truth of what's happening, which allows me then to be in the present moment and say, whew, when you said that sentence, I felt like I got kicked in the gut. Can I go into this feeling with you so that we can unpack it together? We can start to investigate our experience and that becomes a tool that we can use telling the truth as we come back to integrate. So the wisdom that we're getting from the earth, from nature, from our bodies, the acceptance and the love that we are practicing on ourselves, the welcoming of whatever is, becomes essential as we come back and heal the wounded masculine inside of us so that we can move into the world. I know. <laughs> oh, okay, can I say something about Violet's music? Yes. Because Violet and I drive around and listen to music, and she uh, picks the, makes the playlists. And, and this is a serious overgeneralization, but I just notice how powerful the music is that's emerging that doesn't borrow from the old cliches of um, volume and abrasion and like, they rock. It, it has a, a different kind of grounding power, like Gracie Abrams, Claro, or then you think about 1975, Harry Styles. It doesn't have any need to show you how, and I'm trying to think of the, tough doesn't seem like the right word. It does, like when I was growing up, Joan Jett, I love rock and roll. That was like black leather. God, I sound so, there's such cliches here. But it was like, almost like she borrowed or put on the external aggression to be legit. Is yes. That, is that, am I saying that? Yeah. She was stepping into like a warrior huntress energy. Yes. That was necessary at the, that time. Exactly. Exactly. And there is a generation that is emerging that is t showing us, demonstrating, embodying a new way of being. Yes. Like you even think about just with music, how unbelievably male music was. Mm -hmm. So all of the stories of to make it, to quote unquote, to make it what she actually, what she endured. She had to be so resilient and tough like a like the external shell had to be so rock solid just to even make noise. Identification with the masculine. Right, exactly. It was necessary. How does the playing field work? This is how the playing field works. Okay, then, or you think about in business, the CEO who's like, okay, then I'll throw elbows. I'll do it. I'll, I'll mix it up. Like that's how, but now like watching the world that Violet is emerging in, though um, those, I even watch Violet laugh at some of those notions like they're almost cartoons to her of like posturing and competitive because there's this power but it doesn't need any of that the it just knows what it is the power knows what it is yeah like like uh she and i saw billy eilish at the forum a couple weeks ago what's that Seventeen thousand seats uh Billie Eilish partway through has the audience be quiet and invites them to let go of all negative thoughts. She le essentially leads, leads the forum <laughs> in a meditation exercise. That's right. And has, and says, and, and a couple different times states her intentions for the show. Yes. Now, not, she's saying it, but I'm watching going, she's, she did more, guiding, um, establishing the nature of the space that we're in, leading and telling what was allowed and what wasn't, but in her own Billie Eilish way that didn't come across as the old authority structure. And yet it had a deep embodied authority of this is my show. You paid a ticket to see, here's how it works here. Um, and 
she knew exactly what she was doing. She knows she's leading. Yeah. She, it's spiritual maturity. It's so fantastic to watch. And then if you watch the Apple documentary on her and to be a teenager who goes through that, you can see in the documentary, she's either done or she goes into I can, the pain. that You can see her in pain and comes out the other side. And then to see that documentary and then whatever, a year or two later, to see the show and to see how... And like watching it through Violet's eyes, this is just normal. Um, yes. This is just care for the earth. Yes. Um, the guns thing is completely insane. Yes. The like to see how many things um, are just normal. That's right. Is so whenever someone talks about the world falling apart or as mm-hmm. I I see it through Violet, who's well aware of feels deeply the sadness of the world, feels yeah. it. Um, and yet the consciousness and the integration of the inner and the outer, um, it's astonishing what's happening. Yeah, and when you talk about Billy, I think of she is showing us what church wants to look like now. <laughs> and I'm hesitant to use that word, <laughs> but I mean we come together in community. We share an intention we create spaces for transformation so that we can together remember who we are. Yeah. And we are finding, we are creating these new non-traditional ways of doing a very ancient art form in a way that is pure. Reminding each other who we are. Yes. Reclaiming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lost soul of our humanity. Yeah. yeah. It's also interesting to me what you said about I noticed how many people are articulating a submerged grief that is asking for expression. And it's like, God, it's a Wednesday afternoon. Why am I feeling? Probably because of something from 13 years ago. Who knows? Yes. And that the mind so desperately is addicted to knowing what and why and how and where and tracing it all back. Yes. And the health in, in which the mind is properly integrating with the rest of the self. No, I don't know why. I don't need to know why. Maybe later. It's okay. Give it what it needs. My mom is watching my dad go through an intense stages of dementia. And I know she would be okay with me sharing that she has said, every time I go to speak now, tears want to come out. And we've talked about why that makes sense because she is watching her husband of 50 years yeah. slowly pass away, yeah. and it's bringing up all the unfelt grief of her entire life that she never had permission to feel. And she's a master teacher. She's taught young children her whole life. And I also feel that she can feel the collective pain, and it all wants to come through her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the generation of my, of my mother didn't get permission to feel all their feelings. And it was part of uh, what was occurring in the world was, buck up, put a happy face on it. There's a lot of work to do. We're not going to get through this if we feel it. And I think we know we are only going to become who we want to be if we feel everything. And this is the work you're doing. This is the work I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I had I. I love how you uh, talk about the two journeys. I'd never heard you talk about them as interior and exterior dimensions. Yeah. And this interplay between the two, and the how they talk to each other. And we can use both models, and we can see ourselves in different places and realize yeah. that we'll yeah. do these cycles over and over again. Oh my goodness. Yes. Over and over again. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Cause I, I hear them and I think, Oh yeah. 2017. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. There's a thing in 2000. Oh yeah. There was a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. last month. Oh yeah. There's a thing to, I, I know I'm thinking about later today. Like yeah. how many different places I can spot That's myself right. on the interior and the exterior. Yeah. Ooh, this oh. is a, pretty solid overview yeah. i'll be honest there's a there's a, okay. a writer i want to mention her name's sarah durham wilson and she has this book called maiden to mother 
which I have not read. Sarah Durnham Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, I haven't read her book, but I am a fan of her work. And I know the work that she is doing is about archetypes, which is really interesting to me because I've been doing a lot of archetype work. And she talks specifically about women being called from this maiden energy into the mother energy, which is the spiritual maturity and the path that we go on. And I think that's fundamental to this work is we are growing ourselves up right Mm -hmm. now. And we are asking ourselves to mature. And the great mother is asking us to mature. You can just, oh God, you can just feel it everywhere. Yeah. You can feel it everywhere. Yeah. We're alive. My friend Kent said to me a little while ago, he's like, we're alive right now. Yes. We're alive right now. And we're asking. Can you imagine? How great is this? Yeah, I know. It's like (laughs) the most dynamic time to be alive. And we're being asked to become the elders for the world that wants to be birthed. So for the people that are in really deep places where they do not have hope and they don't know how to love themselves. The people that have the tools to be the elders are being asked to step forward and do what is joyful in their heart, which is naturally giving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I just recorded a a Robcast yesterday that I assume will be out by the time this one called Quote Yourself. Uh, I cannot wait. (laughs) I cannot wait. But just this, uh, how many people... No, they actually know. Yes. And then there are all these things on their shoulder. Yes. That are like, yeah, but, yeah, but, and it's like, but they actually know. Yes. So yeah, quote yourself. Community healing. My favorite thing (laughs) is getting a group of people together and just listening because everyone has profound wisdom inside of them. And if we open to the wisdom of the community, everything we need is there. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've seen that in your, <laughs> what do you call them? Conferences, talks, groups, assemblies? I don't know like, anymore. But these people come up and they have <laughs> all the solutions for the world. Like, oh, absolutely. This person comes oh, up absolutely. and they, they, soil health. And this person comes up and it's the <laughs> yeah. unhoused population. They have the solutions inside <laughs> yeah. of them. Everything we need, it's right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's already been given. It's been germinating inside. hmm how to create all these new sustainable ways of being. It's already in us. Yes. Yeah. We've already yep. been told. I keep seeing I keep seeing that. The number of times people are like, well, this is actually the thing that that I want to do. And then they name something and you're thinking, Oh yeah, of course somebody Oh yeah. Of course somebody would fix that. Yeah. There would have to be a person who would have this, 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 this in their background and somehow would duct tape it together and sure enough, I just met the person. That's why if we all follow what we're the most interested in, <laughs> yes. it's, it's healing solutions. If absolutely. we follow our deepest passion. So there's a calling also to realign with what is most exciting inside of us. <laughs> That's where our life force is. It's also fascinating to me how many times you're like, yeah, but someone has to organize the board of water and light or whatever there's something we're like well, that's who would that's the most unsexy thing ever but i've m- met people who are like actually <laughs> the most thrilling thing to me is to do these spreadsheets where we get them all like yes as i know you have yes. the things where people are like yeah but someone's gonna that's nice because there's that's nice that everybody would just sort of follow but there's actual stuff that needs to get done no no there's a bunch of people who like getting that stuff done is like their favorite thing <laughs> Oh my goodness, it reminds me of when I was in college. I thought, I should probably stage manage a show so I know what a stage manager does, and I was horrible at it. I cannot, for the life of me, push play at the right time because my mind got so interested in what the actors were doing on stage. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. do the technical thing. I have no ability for that. Uh, and I'm so glad that there are people that master that. And are great, uh, like love They're it. They're great, they love it. <laughs> yeah, they make it an art form. <laughs> Human beings. Human beings. <laughs> um, anything else before we get to how people can find you? Oh, I feel great. Uh, but you've been doing... So, segue here. Yeah. You've been doing classes, groups. What do you do? I have a container. I have, uh, a, nice. I have a thing called Story Space where people come and they birth stories. And we do this work together. 
Yeah. And we heal ourselves and we birth our stories. Yeah. yeah. How do people and how do people find you? They can come to my website, kristenhange.com. H K R I S T I N for those of you keeping score at home. H A N G G I. Good job. Um, I also do one-on-one sessions with people and I do retreats from time to time where we do this, yeah. which is basically on becoming the main character of your life. And we go through the hero and heroine's journey. Yeah. So you can come and fantastic. get on the list for fantastic. that one. Fantastic. Um, I also want to mention, I have a book, a poetry book called yeah. God, Sex, and Musical Theater. <laughs> Meditations for Unlocking the Powerful Self. I like to joke that I just wrote a book on my three favorite things. Yeah, it's, you know, I say, Is it com- it com- I say it's poetry, it but comes it's, really, out? it's out. You can order it right now and go online and Google that. Uh, so that's I out. Love it. And I then love it. Um, I knew it was in the works. I didn't know it was already out. No, okay. no, it's out. Yeah. Let's go. Um, yeah, I think I thank you in the special thanks. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, of course. Nice. <laughs> Duh. And then I also have a podcast called The Create Podcast. Let's play The Create Podcast that I do with my best friend, Natalie Roy. Those are, those are all there the ways you can find me. a couple things you got going. Yeah, yeah. Among other th- and I also know all these other things you have going. That's right. My goodness. Oh, thank you for coming by the back house. I'm so, see, when I heard you give that, I was like, oh, everybody needs to hear that. And now they're going to hear that. And I just, there. Good. My work is done here. <laughs> You're, you're just getting started. I love it. Thank you, Thank Rob. Thank you. Peace and love, everyone.